Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Chasing Breadcrumbs. I have a very special guest today. She happens to be one of my B of the F, Fs ever. That was best friend forever, by the way. She was my university roommate. She, oh man, we go back. We go back. And I I asked Carly, it's my friend Carly, Carly Butler-Verhane. I asked her, send, send me a bio. And uh, as we started, before we hit record, started trying to figure out what her bio is, I, I realized really the whole episode is her bio. That's really what we're talking about today because there's a lot in there. There's a lot to unpack. Um, and really, I invited Carly on partly because I get to hang out with my best friend and count it as work, um, but, but really because I don't think I know anyone better than Carly at chasing breadcrumbs and listening to hints and nudges and paying attention to both what's happening in the world and what's happening in her inner landscape and then acting accordingly. So that is why I've I've invited my amazing, wonderful friend, Carly on, and we'll get into, we'll get into her bio. This will be an hour long bio, but I promise it will be more interesting than that just sounded. So stay tuned. Okay. Hi, Car. Hi. Thanks (laughs) Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming to hang out. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. Um, also, disclaimer, uh, for anyone listening, you might hear the sound of dog claws on my office floor because the dingleberry Lenny dog is uh, awake and we'll see how we do. If you notice any like growling in the background, just know it's not me and Carly adding sound effects. It is in fact the poodle. So Carly, first question, and this will really take up the whole episode is I want you to tell us about your story. And very, you know, the, the parts that we're always so interested in around here is the breadcrumbs, those little moments where you maybe followed a hint or a nudge or an intuition and it, it changed your trajectory and it changed what you're doing and what you're focusing on and what your life looks like. So will you tell us your story and we'll go from there? Sure. So the biggest one that I can think of that you know very well is um, is when I found 110 love letters that my grandfather, no, my grandmother wrote to my grandfather in 1946. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I feel like even before that moment, I had been doing that my whole life, uh, following these breadcrumbs, because I, I can't really say that I ever at one point was like, this is what I'm going to do with my life. I feel like I've always, that's always been a question for me and that I've, and, and that's been sort of why I've been following these breadcrumbs because I didn't know. Mm. And um, so these, these love letters definitely were something that piqued my interest at the time. Um, Actually, I want to go even further back. So, Okay. Because I think, again, I, what, what we hear a lot in our, and I think this is changing a little bit, but I think what we hear a lot is find your passion, just do that forever and ever. And that's your life set, stick it on your vision board and you're good. That's you done until you're dead. And well, that works really well for people who are like, yeah, yeah, I know. Like I'm passionate about dogs. Like all I think and breathe is dogs. So I'm going to do stuff with dogs. Great. Um, for those of us like me and you who are like, I don't know, like I don't have this one thing that is all I think about and all I care about and all I do, that advice can feel pretty gnarly. Um, 
because I remember back <laughs> back when we were roommates in university, I remember there be, and by the way, side note for anyone listening, sometimes I'll tell Carly a memory and she'll go, no, I don't remember that. Tell me about it. And I'm like, but it's your life. This is your memory that I am. And you're like, I know. And I don't remember anyways. So many times in university, you would just go, Ugh, I don't want to do this anymore. And not university in general, but like the specific thing you were studying or the course you were supposed to care about and you didn't at all. And so I'm curious, most people in college or university are told like, power through, get the degree and then just get the degree and power through. And you seem to buck that better than anyone else I knew that you were just like, no, it needs to be something different. I need to make a change. Like what? Where did that come from? How did you have the confidence at a young age to go, no, I'm going to change. Like, this is not correct. <laughs> well, I think, I think with universities specifically, I, I went in as major to be determined. So that gave <laughs> right me, from the beginning, fair. <laughs> yeah, that gave me a lot of freedom to just be like, what do I like? What don't I like? And so that was sort of what first year was for me. And, but then I was like, well, I, I like math, um, but, and I'm decent at it. So, but what am I going to do with a math major? Um, I like music, but what am I going to do with a music major? And I, I think I was so focused on what the end result would be that I, that's when I felt the pressure to choose something. Mm. Um, but at that point, when I was trying to just figure out what program fit all of my smorgasbord of classes that I took. Um, it was, it was easy to just kind of go with international development and choose the economic stream. So, cause I had already, I'd had already taken most of those classes. So, mm. but even, even still, I think in university, I was, I was sort of like, I just sort of need to choose something and, and get, get a degree because mm. for me, university, the most valuable experience was, was like extracurricular. Mm. So I was like volunteering at the student support network. And that was when I was realizing like, I really love talking about feelings and I mm. love other people, like creating the space for other people to come in and talk about feelings. And I was organizing, I think I did a stationary bike relay race. Uh, I was on the organizing team for that. And I really loved I remember that. Yeah, yes. I remember that till now. Yeah, yeah. That was called race for dignity and it was a fundraiser and, um, yeah, I, I loved bringing people together in that way. Um, and what else did I do on campus? I, I, I just liked being with others and, and connecting and being, being more than just the small talk, like let's really talk here mm. and let's really get to know each other and, and work together and find, find what we're passionate about and do something with it. Um, mm. and then the classes were just like, okay, let's just get, oh, get through. Like, this. Oh yeah. And I gotta get through that thing. Cause that's like the technicality. I gotta. Yeah. 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 Okay. So here's the thing though. So you graduated with a degree, hooray. Um, the thing you found though, that was your interest connection. That's not like, oh, my interest is editorials. So therefore I will go to journalism school. Like 
connecting with people. Granted, there, you know, there's careers like um, counseling and that sort of thing. But what happened next? Because you were like, okay, I have a degree that isn't technically overlapping with the thing I actually like, which is connecting with people and organizing things and getting people together and digging underneath small talk. Like what happened next for you to go, okay, now what? Yeah. Well, I remember, I mean, I used, I used the last very bit of my, of my student loan with you to go to Europe on our like last hurrah I think I had like $5,000 left and that's how much the trip was. I'm like, yes, this is totally (laughs) worth it (laughs) because travel was always like very interesting to me. And I just love the idea of going on adventures and getting on an airplane and seeing where, where life led us. Mm. Um, And so that was, that was definitely something that, that was next. And then, and then I remember working and, and just being like, there's gotta be more Mm. to this. And, and then I was thinking of doing something like grand, like, like eat, pray, love and, and going to India. And I was talking to my uncle at the time about it. And I was like, I'm thinking about going to India, but I also like, kind of just want to keep going with, with schooling, but I don't want it to be this type of education. I want it to be different. Like I want to, um, I want it to be, I don't know, more about connection and an experience and, Mm. and just being open to whatever happens. And he suggested coach training Mm. with CTI. And I didn't actually even really know what coaching was like, he told me, yeah, CTI, whatever. I Googled it. And I just like signed up. I didn't even really read the whole thing. Okay. Wait, wait, and- okay, wait, no, no, hang on. We have to dig into that because here's what a lot of us do. We get a hint, right? A nudge, a breadcrumb of like, Hey, you should look into this. And then we debate and we do a pros and cons list. And we think about like, well, what could the outcome be? And if I did that, then what would that mean for my thing? And we like try to plot out the next 20 steps and you, you went, okay. What, like, what, like what happened inside of you that you went, yep. All right. Sold. I don't even know what it is, but this feels right. Well, I trusted him. He was like someone that I always looked up to. He was just really inspiring. He is an innovator and he just is so wise and felt like just like a, a mentor in my life, even Mm -hmm. though we never really established that, but he was, um, just, I always found him very interesting and fascinating because he traveled around the world and just talked about meeting people. And he, he had that thing, like where you just connect with someone about their life story and, um, and it's just meaningful. So yeah, I, I, and I, and I honestly still have this in me, like where I don't really know what I'm signing up for, but I do it anyways. Um, (laughs) because I just did the same thing. My friend Lisa is putting on a, uh, embodied power, women embodied power. And I don't, I don't really know what, what it's going to be. I think there's dance elements. I think there's self-reflection, I think, but I signed up for three Sundays and sent her the payment and I'm like, come in. And I, I think that is, that is part of, part of it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of like this is presenting itself right now for a reason. So I'm going to do it. And, um, 
yeah, just trusting that it'll unfold the way it's supposed to. And if I don't like it, then I'll just change course again. Mm. And I think, you know, sometimes when you, when you start something and then you don't finish it, you sort of feel bad about it for a little bit or, or whatever, like you feel like you failed or, Mm. um, it didn't follow through, but in a way I have come to realize that that actually has led me down roads that I probably wouldn't have gone down, like not being attached to the outcome. Mm -hmm. Like I went through coach training, but I didn't become a coach. I coached a handful of times, but it, it changed my life because Mm -hmm. I was taking these courses and, and just like meeting these people and saying yes to things that I, I wouldn't have been in those situations had I not done that. So um, I think I, I don't think it like, I've always felt this way about it. Like I probably at the time was like, I, I do start things and don't finish them. Like, or I stick with them for a little bit and then move on. Like I was just telling you, Jess, that I let my photography website go. It, I've mm. been paying for it for the past, I don't even know how many years, probably 10. And uh, I don't really direct anybody there. So why am I paying for it anymore? And I don't really... I don't really do photography right now, right now. So I let it go and I don't actually feel like I failed or feel like I couldn't ever start that up again. It's just not where I'm at right now. So Hmm. I think, I think though, you know, um, we haven't really talked about the book, but I think my confidence in that has to do with the fact that I did finish one huge, huge goal. Um, so I don't know if I always felt this way. Maybe I just do now looking back. Um, but because I, I had the goal of writing the book for 10 years and I finally finished it. Now I can look back at all the things that I started and didn't complete or started and started going a different way. Um, I don't look at them as failures or, um, or something that I gave up on. It's just, it's just Mm. part of the path, even university. Like Mm. I didn't do well. I didn't do well in university. I just scraped by. Like I got like 55, 60, (laughs) like give me that degree. Like I ran out (laughs) with the degree, like I did it, but it was, it wasn't, Mm. it, that wasn't the most important part for me. Hmm. Okay. And yeah, talk about burying the lead. So the latest adventure and beautiful project is this book that you published. So we're getting there, by the way, people, we are getting there because you did the coach training and that breadcrumb, even though to your point, you, you don't have, you're not a coach. Maybe you will one day. I don't know who knows, but either way, it wasn't like, oh, what a waste of time or, oh, what a waste of money or, oh, I shouldn't have done that because it opened up other things and other experiences. So you, you did this whole coach training and experience with CTI and then, and then what? Cause to your point, you didn't go, okay, I'm now a coach done. I've solved it. I've solved mm-hmm. the conundrum of Carly. So what happened after that? That's when I got into leadership and was like, oh, this is interesting. Cause I was, I was also went back to my uncle Dan and I said, okay, so I could do like coach training certification, or I could do this leadership program. And he had just done the program and he's like, oh, you got to do leadership. And again, I didn't know what was involved. And 
I had never done things like ropes courses or whatever, like gone on retreat. Like this was like the first time I've, I did any of that. And that that's when I, the time in my life that I was just open to in, in a new way. Like I was like mm. really following, following the signs and, and what was presenting itself to me and what I was interested in, what piqued my interest. And at the time I was working at the bank. And so I, I felt like I was like at a crossroads. Like I was like, I could continue on this path. My mom worked her whole life in the bank and it, she had a good life. She, she had a good career, but it was like, mm, it wasn't me. I didn't have the I wasn't career driven like mm-hmm. so many people around me. Like I was like, I, I didn't care about the sales gold goals. I probably drove my managers crazy because <laughs> they were like, what motivates you? I'm like talking to people. <laughs> like, <laughs> like if, if you need somebody to like not be lonely, come, come to my wicket and we'll talk about life for a minute, you know, <laughs> or like if you want somebody to um, chat about their life story and just like, I don't know, feel connected for a minute, come to my wicket. Um, and I'll help them. I will help them with their banking and like any way that I can help. But like, yeah, it was, it was then that I started to realize like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not career driven at all in this, in this arena, at least in, in the banking world, mm. uh, in sales and anything, my brother and my dad, they were like natural salesmen. They could sell you anything, but like that they believe in, like they were selling guitars mm. and things that are awesome like that. Like, but my brother could sell a bed to anybody too. Like mm. he worked at a, <laughs> a mattress store for a while and sell people beds. He could sell people cars. He could anyway, um, just not me. So, so that's when I started to pay attention and and I was talking to people at the bank and when they were coming in to just exchange money or pay off a credit card or something. And I would just ask them a question and they would start opening up to me and telling me stuff about their life. And I was like, yeah, okay, this is, I I'm Mm. interested in people's life stories and I'm interested in people's real feelings. And I'm interested in how we all got here, you know, like the people that came before us and, um, and the decisions they made that made their life what it was. And I have to, I have to ask you something and it's going to sound like such a silly question, but, but I think you'll know where I'm coming from. How did you know you were interested in those things? Oh yeah. Um, you know, cause so many of us were conditioned to like, you follow the path and you go to school and you get the thing and then you get the job. And it's, it's like, we've learned that to we we've lost that ability or been conditioned to not pay attention to what we're interested in. So how did you even know that that was the thing that was interesting you? It was the moments that I got goosebumps. Oh, and like, like actual, not, like actual, not metaphorical. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Actual goosebumps. Like I'd be like, oh, I'm connecting with this person and they, they're feeling seen in a new way. Mm. Like they're telling a story that they maybe haven't told in a long time. And, and also it's that, that moment where you like lost, lose track of time. Like I'm like connecting with this person. And then all of a sudden I look up and I'm like, Oh my, there are 20 people in this line. (laughs) Whoops. I'm sorry. Like I apologize to my coworkers and everybody in line. They're just staring at me, but I didn't (laughs) notice because I was like totally 
present with mm. this person in this yeah. moment. So that there's like, I guess, three elements. It's, it's when you lose track of time and you're like really present, uh, when you get the, the goosebumps or that feeling. And then when you feel like really alive after, mm. like, I'm like, wow, I, that was amazing. Like, just really connecting with them. And when you, when you reflect on the day, what was the best part of your day connecting with that, with that 70 year old man who was celebrating his 50th wedding anniversary and giving me advice on marriage, you know, like I'm not even, I wasn't even dating anyone at the time, but I'm like, that's so amazing. Congratulations. Like, Mm -hmm. do you have any advice for me? Like I'm 20 and I have no idea what what is ahead of me, but give me the advice. And I remember his advice, actually. He he said that you have to be friends first. Mm. Like about, you know, everything, so many things change, but you have to actually really like the person. Like you have to be friends. And I was like, oh, I really, I really like that. Mm. So anyway. Yeah. So good. So good. Okay. So you knew you were interested in the connections. You did this leadership retreat kind of based experiential program and where, okay. So let's bring back in the love letters. Cause we dropped that and then we abandoned it like 30 minutes ago. Okay. So what do these love letters that your grandma wrote your grandpa have to do with you at all? Like, where does any of that? And I of course know the story cause I know you and I was there for some of it and I read the book. We'll get to the book, but tell us in your own words, now that you've told the story about 73 times over the last <laughs> 10 years, but what's going on with the letters? Yeah. So I was at a time where I was, um, single for the first time in 10 years and not really believing in love <laughs> anymore. And I had this these letters that, um, that were like a definition of love. Like it was like, mm. they were, they were newly married. The war was over. He, what he had been sent back with all the soldiers and she was from England and was a British war bride waiting to have passage to Canada to mm. come be with her new husband and I mean, just all of that is so romantic and so adventurous and so uh, inspiring in itself. But like to think about my grandma. So there were 110 of them. And my grandma had been had been gone for 10 years at this point, no more. Um, and she, I didn't really get to know her, but she was always like someone who I felt like was was just a force in this world. And she didn't, she didn't really give a rip what anybody thought of her. She was like a bull in a China shop. She was basically like the complete opposite of me. Um, in, in ways like I care what people think I'm like people pleasing. And I'm like, I want everybody to like me. And, but she didn't care. And she was just bold and, um, bubbly and also like just loved life. And I felt like she had something that I wanted, like mm. that, I, or that I like strived for. I just, I wanted to be just happy and I wanted to mm. be joyful and I wanted to follow the adventure and the, the joy and the happiness. And mm. I mean, it wasn't, I'm sure it wasn't all that, but, um, yeah, so they were just, they were something that was definitely in the background at the time. And, um, that I thought was really cool. And like, because I was getting interested in people's life stories, I I started thinking more about mine and hers and my, my parents and just everybody's 
life story that came before me and my family and, and just like ancestry and lineage and, and not, not so much the whole family history, family tree stuff. Like it's cool, but I never really got into that much. Mm -hmm. Like, um, but these letters also, because I, I loved journaling. I've, I've journaled my whole life, um, since I was little and that felt like I had access to her words and Mm. her thoughts and, um, just like a a journal, even though it was letters, but it was still like her day. I could read about her day in 1946, all these years later. And so it it was, and I hadn't even read them all at the time, but it was just like a really cool thing that we had in the background. And, um, and then it wasn't until I was on one of the leadership courses that I came across the Queen Mary and I had seen a picture my whole life of my parent, my grandparents in front of the Queen Mary. And it, I knew my grandma was a war bride, but I didn't quite know what that was um, until this time in my life. Like I was like, oh, wow. There were like 48,000 of them that, that did this, that left England and came to Canada with these husbands. And not all of the stories are, are like my grandma's. My grandma was, was lucky. She, uh, her husband was, um, truthful to her. And like, she knew what she was coming to, but a lot of women didn't like a lot of them came to places where they were, you know, promised or even just, they talked about what the house was like. And it was like a shack in the middle of a field, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and they're coming from London, England, like. So you saw the queen Mary. Oh yeah. By the way, is the ship that your grandma took to move to Canada when she eventually got her papers. And so, and hang on though, because this is such an example of breadcrumbs. You didn't seek it out, right? Like you didn't go, I want to see the queen Mary that my grandma like traveled the ocean on. It wasn't a goal. You stumbled across it is way too mild of a word, but you, you followed some curiosity that got there. So what, like you were out in California for the program and yeah, what happened? We were, we were making our way up the number one highway and I was with my friend, Mary, and she's Mary, the fairy. She's just, she's just a magical person. She definitely lives her life in a way that is just following the signs and following the breadcrumbs. We didn't know where we were staying that night and we didn't even know where we would end up. Like we just, we were just going up the highway and we'd stop when we were tired, found a, find a hotel. And that's what we did. We decided we were going to stop. Uh, near Long Beach, and we were getting getting checked in. And then I was flipping through the magazine as she was getting things sorted at the front desk. And then I saw in this local magazine that the Queen Mary was in a local attraction, was in this town. And I was like, uh, Mary, Mary, like mm-hmm. we need to go here. Like, look. And I scrolled back in my phone and I was like, this is the ship that my grandparents mm. are standing in front of in this picture. Like this must be the ship that she took over. And, and literally I didn't even really know at that time, but that was like an assumption I made. And, um, it definitely was the ship that she took over and they had gone to long beach to visit it. Cause it's been docked there since 1967. And we, we went the next, she's like, well, we'll go there. So <laughs> the next morning, cause she's, that's literally all she's about. Like, let's just see where life takes us. So yeah. The next morning we went there and she asked if I wanted to go in, but I was like, I had no interest in going in. I just wanted to recreate this photo that I had on my phone. 
of them. So I lined myself up to the fence exactly where they stood and had Mary take a picture. And I had the two pictures side by side. And I was like, whoa, this is Mm. crazy. And in that moment, I was like, I'm going to England. I need those letters. I knew the address Mm. was on the letters. So I was like, I'll just go to the address on the letters. So when I got home from that trip in California, I asked my mom for the letters and we went through them and I, I went on Google maps and found that the house where the letters were written still stood. And Mm -hmm. I made a plan to go to England and retrace her steps. And once I put them in order by date, they were from January to July of 46. And I, at the time that was like March. So I, I decided I would go from January to July of the following year. So I had lots of time to plan and get rid of my apartment and apply for a loan and do all the things. But yeah, and I would stay for the duration of the letters and retrace her steps. So mm. that is that is what I did. Oh, and then you wrote a beautiful book about the whole experience, <clears throat> by the way, Life's Letter. And we'll get to that in a second. But I think, I mean, Carly, I always thought you were good at following breadcrumbs. And, and while you are, I don't actually think that's what you're good at. I think what you're good at is saying yes to things. Um, mm-hmm. Because those are in a way, two different things. You happen to be good at both of them. But I think the thing that actually makes your life so fascinating and why you were able to write a book and why we're all like, I'm waiting to see what you get up to next is you say yes to things when other people might be like, well, it doesn't make any sense to move to England. Like that doesn't make any sense. I have my apartment (laughs) and I got my job and I have my car. Like, of course, I'm not going to move to England on a quote unquote whim. You know what I mean? Like there's this Mm -hmm. talking ourselves out of things, whereas you, and again, I'm not saying you always do it perfectly. I'm sure there's lots of things that you look back on and go, I wonder what would have happened if I had done X, Y, Z, but I, you just don't seem to have as many of those as I think other people have. You seem to say yes, a lot, a lot in really interesting ways. Mm-hmm. And the weirdest part is, is it seems to work out for you again, not saying things are always easy at all, but it seems to work out. Like you do have these adventures and they're interesting. And yeah. Yeah. I I've been told on multiple occasions, specifically by my brother, because he's, <laughs> you know, like he likes to say this, but that I, that I just have a horseshoe up my butt, you know, like I, I, things actually do work out. Everything that I went to seek in England was there. Mm-hmm. Like every address that I had found in England where there were bombs dropping and the, the mm-hmm. places could have been taken out and put up brand new high rises or whatever. All of the places that I went looking for were still there. Mm-hmm. And I think things have worked out for me, you know, like I, yeah, I mean, yeah, it wasn't all easy. I definitely had lots of moments of self-doubt, lots of moments of what am I even doing? This is crazy. Why can't I just, why can't I just have a job and, and why can't I be career driven? Why can't I like, just like have a normal life? Um, but luckily I married someone who is also a yes person and he also brings me crazy ideas, which logistically now is a lot harder with our three children and our house. Um, yes. Life does look slightly different now than when you were renting your apartment as a single person. Yes. Fine. 
but it is, it is amazing to actually live a life that way, you know, where we can bring up even crazy ideas and just talk mm-hmm. about them and know that we have the freedom to just create the life that we want. Right now we want the stab- stability and like to be here and, mm-hmm. and stuff. And you're, and I know obviously, or actually this is like a good friend test. I'm pretty sure your kids are five, three, and one. Yes. (laughs) I am a good friend. Well Um, done. (laughs) It helps that like two of them are the same age as mine. That does, that's a good hack, but okay. Because here's the last question I have about this. And then I do want to ask you about your book before we do lightning round, but I can imagine lots of people listening, including potentially your brother are going, must be nice. That's good for you, but I've got a mortgage or like, it must be nice, but I've got parents I have to care for. It must be nice, but I have a young kid. Like, what would your thoughts be now that you're in this different season now of saying yes and having a life built on saying yes to things and, and exploring when life maybe doesn't necessarily look carefree from the outside, like how do you still say yes when you have these obligations? Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's a good question for sure. Um, I mean, <clears throat> it's about choice, right? Like I, I got to a point, it took me 10 years to write the book from, mm-hmm. from an idea to done um, and it's not uncommon. I mean, it, it, that, that is a long time. I wasn't working on it for the full 10 years. I had three babies moved across the country, all that stuff. <laughs> Some other things. In there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. But you know, like I, I was back at work and I was expecting our third baby. And I just thought like, life is just going to get busier. If I don't mm-hmm. do this now, I might not. And, and I want, I want to see it to completion. So I, made difficult choices. I had to say no to things that I wanted to do. I had Mm. to put myself sort of on a schedule and a deadline and think like, okay, well, I definitely want it before the baby's born. So I got to do this in the next six months. And so I would go to work early, even though I was tired, I just was pregnant. Mm. I wanted to sleep in, but I would go to work early a couple times a week. It wasn't every day, but a couple times a week and just like get in an hour, um, before I started work and Mm. get, get in some editing time. And I took a weekend away, even though I feel so torn every time I'm away, you know, like, I'm like, I want to be with my kids. And also I do really want to do this. So, Mm. um, and I also just want (laughs) to (laughs) chill. So it's, it's about making, making the choices. And then like, of course the, the distractions, like we, we all have the same amount of time in the day, but, um, and it's so easy to, to just numb and, and also just like go on social media and do what we do. Um, but like, if things get done, it feels so good, like Mm. to just make the time and make the, and, and, and see things to completion, even if it's just like clearing off your workspace and, and make what, like asking yourself, what is going to make me happier in this moment, clearing off the workspace, but, oh, it just feels like big, big task, just making it happen. Um, but yeah, it's definitely not easy. Mm. Yeah. Not, not easy. And there's still might be more choice there than 
than we think at first. And I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm in, I mean, I don't have, you have like a million children over there. I mean, I know it's three, but it seems three feels overwhelming to me. And sometimes I, even knowing all this stuff, I can get very caught in like, just like I, I have a, I have a real knee jerk to like victim mentality or martyr behavior or like, well, if my children didn't need more goldfish crackers, I could have made that million dollars or I could have been on Oprah. And like, there's probably maybe a kernel of truth in there. And also there are different choices I could make. Um, again, not, not shaming. Cause I also love laying on the couch, like laying on the couch is one of my hobbies oh, yeah. and I'm comfortable with that as yeah. one of my great passions in life. And, and there are options. There are options. Yeah. I also want to add to like the other thing, like as I'm, as I'm complete with the book, um, I've, I've also realized like some of the stuff that presented itself to me as far as opportunities with the book, I did seek those, Mm -hmm. but also um, I was just, I was okay at this point in the journey to just pitch to a bunch of people and Mm. get reject, get rejected because I had gone through that experience of like trying to get a traditional publisher and being rejected and like learning to handle all of that. So once the book was done and I'm still continuing to do this, even though I was like, I'm done, I'm complete. I still feel like there's, there's more that will happen um, by just pitching it and seeing what happens. Like, and, and also committing to it coming with ease. Like if, mm. if this doesn't feel right or it's not happening with ease, then I'm not going to pursue it. But mm. like, I really wanted to show the letters this summer at the original location that the letters went through, which is now the art gallery. It used to be the post office in Leamington. And I just pitched it. And they said, actually, we just, because of COVID and circumstances, we actually just had an opening. So yeah, you can do it. And I'm like, perfect. And that was also one of those things where like, I didn't really read all the guidelines and this and that, like, I just like pitched Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it worked out. So it's like, also just like taking, taking a chance and, and giving it a shot, even if you're Mm. not really sure what the outcome is going to be like, not really being attached to, to it either way. And just seeing what's, what wants to unfold. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You are like the queen of saying yes to things and also the queen of shooting your shot. And, and there's so many examples of that in your book as well. Like you even talk about meeting your partner and there was a shoot your shot moment in there too, of like, I'm just going to like, see what happens with this message or I'm just going to just show up and then whatever, and not being super attached, but having a go, having a go. And okay. So we didn't go into the whole, I mean, your book, a, a big part of it is obviously your experience in England, retracing these letters, your grandma wrote your grandpa. We didn't go into all of that because you wrote a whole freaking book about it. So people can read <laughs> the damn book. So when, give us, but give us just like the, the overview of the book. So people can kind of be tempted because it's, it's a really interesting story and experience that you had. Yeah. So it actually goes into some of the inspiration of some of the things I even talked Mm -hmm. about in this podcast of like how I came to that moment in my life, but it was, it is ultimately 
me retracing my grandmother's steps, going to the house that she wrote the letters from, knocking on the door, handing over the letter, being like, my grandma used to live here. <laughs> and just the journey. And, and I had met my now husband uh, before I left. So it was writing love letters home to him and that experience being apart from him. And 67 years later, kind of really, truly feeling um, what my grandma felt but also in this day and age and like reflecting on that, like how far we've come with technology and communication and connection. Um, but also like connection being the same, right? Like Mm. it's all you really want is to be with that person in real life. And, uh, even though our technology is awesome now, it's, it's, it's still not the same. And so, yeah. And just kind of like, where, where life led me after Mm. that, you know, it's like with the, with the, the, the message of, of connection being throughout. So, Mm. and life's letter is what it's called by Carly Butler Verhain and people can get it anywhere books are Fair. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have some, I have some links. If anybody's interested in okay. signed copies, um, they can be found on lifesletter.com. Okay. And we'll share and... those that we'll share that link too in the, in the notes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Anything I didn't ask you before. Oh no, wait, I do have one more question. I know what it is now. Forget it. I know exactly what I need to ask you. Okay. Someone's listening to this and they're like, okay, that sounds great. Where do I start? Like, where can, how can I start building this muscle of paying attention to the breadcrumbs and saying yes, when maybe it feels a little overwhelming? Like, where would you, what experiment would you recommend people start with? Well, it's interesting because I feel like I'm at that stage again, now that I'm done the book Mm. and like literally so much of my, my, my mind, heart, uh, space is clear because that's done. And of course, a lot of my heart and mind space is like in family mode too. Mm. But I want to still be um, inspired by things that are just mine, you know, or like, Mm. or remind me of like, what it feels like to follow that again, and say yes to things. So um, for me lately, I've just been paying attention to what is piquing my interest. Mm. And um, like normally I would never, ever, ever be like a gym person. I've never been a member of a gym, but I've really dabbled in yoga and um, and just like walking and movement. And lately I, I actually like want to become stronger in my body. Like I think like I'm really interested in basically like getting to know myself now that I'm done having kids and my body's like done so much for me and my family in the past six years. Mm. And I've either been pregnant or nursing for six years. That's a big deal. Mm. And, um, I want to, I want to focus on that. Like I want to become stronger. I want to move my body. I want Mm. to, so I'm like finding that I'm interested in dance when like nobody could have told me that I would, I would be interested in dance like forever ago. Mm -hmm. And I have one friend who's starting to, to lead some dance, some dance things and like conscious movement. And then I have another friend who's really interested in, in like more like theater dance type stuff. And so I'm like, it's just, I haven't even talked to that other friend about it, but I'm, I'm just like, (laughs) 
I see her posting and I'm like, oh, and it's also like the the connection connection that she's making. Like she has like an awesome group of girlfriends because of it now. Mm. And I'm like, oh, that looks cool. So I think just like paying attention to what is piquing your interest that feels new and exciting and um and also like golf. That's really weird, but like <laughs> I'm interested in golf again these days. Like I they're all they're all like movement for me right now, but mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I think just, yeah, paying attention to, to that, like what, where you're, where you're feeling called these days. Um, Mm. and maybe like, I love to make, make lists of like little things that make me feel alive or make me feel good. Mm. So it's like, after I go for a walk up and down the hill, like I just feel great. Like I sleep Mm. better. And so it's like, okay, I got to keep following this, this movement, this body Mm. stuff. So yeah. So good. Okay. Before we do lightning round, where can people find you? So it was Mm lifesletter.com. Are you on any of the social medias? Not these days, but, um, yeah, I I'm at carly.butler on Instagram it's, and then, um, at life's letter mm-hmm. on Instagram. So th- that's where I usually am if I am, but right now I'm just taking a, taking a taking little the break. break. Fair enough. Yeah. I'm all for social media breaks. Okay. My friend, we're going to do lightning round before we close. You ready? Yes. Okay. Question number one, sunrise or sunset? Sunset. Who is one of your heroes? My grandma. Oh yeah. Coffee or tea? Coffee in the morning, tea in the afternoon. Can I say that? Can I say both? You can do whatever you want. You're the boss of you. You do whatever you want to do. Um, If you could be any animal for a day, what would you be? I think a cheetah. They're like the fastest land animal. My son Maddox. I've got like a Glennon Doyle, like you are a goddamn cheetah. (laughs) Yeah. He's really into cheetahs these days. And so he's telling me all these facts, like it's the fastest animal. And he pretends like he's a cheetah. So yeah, (laughs) that's the first one that came to mind. (laughs) Okay. If you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life, what do you pick? Mm, That's a tough one. My mom's shepherd's pie. Homestyle cooking. Okay. Oh yeah. Meditation or yoga? yoga. If you won the lottery, what is the first thing you spend some money on? Oh, I usually don't let myself think about that, but hmm. Oh my gosh, I don't know. That's I'd probably travel. Okay. Well, in that case, next question, what is your dream travel destination? Uh, it's also a very like for- <laughs> fortunate, fortunate place to be. Cause I, I have visited a lot of places, but, um, I do really want to go back to England and New York. Those are my favorites mm-hmm. first to come to mind. If I'm going to go mm-hmm. on a trip, uh, what is your, okay. So if you're on a desert Island and you get either one book or one movie, as your entertainment forever, what do you, which one do you pick? Is there a specific book or a specific movie you just watch or read over and over? Book, Eat, Pray, Love. Oh, great choice. Um, winter or summer? Summer. Mountains or ocean? Ocean. Okay, last question. 
you have a billboard in every urban center in the world. What do you put on that billboard? You're doing better than you think you are. Oh, that's so good. I love it. (laughs) Hey, Carly, thank you so much for hanging out with me for a little bit. Oh, thanks. It's been awesome. I'm so grateful to you. And remember everyone, you can buy life's letter wherever you buy books, go and hang out and ask about it and read it. And so good. Thank you, my friend. Thank you.